0: And Welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Once you give us a call? Our number is 291- Sixty-nine zero one, and the area code here in Baton Rouge,
1: Louisiana, is two two five. So you can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. Always appreciate hearing from you and hearing your ideas and questions and comments. And we are live today, so right now is the perfect time to call. There you go. Get right on straight to
0: us. Got all whole hour here. All our (laughs) lines wide open. Just give us a call. You know, we generally have some sort of a topic or guideline that we discuss. You know, most Saturdays, but that never limits you to that topic. You no, not to at all. are speaking about a certain thing and you have a question other than that, feel free to chime on sure. in. It's not an interruption or anything like that. It's just gives us something to talk about. Well, that's it. You got to <laughs> <laughs> Sit in and tell corny jokes for an hour. It probably, well, uh, probably, yeah, it probably wouldn't go over too well. It probably wouldn't get us real far. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I wanted to kind of mention today, because we get – a lot of email about different things and one of the topics that we get of course are check engine lights because sure. it's one of those things with literally 2,000 different things that can set a light and only one light you do get a lot of check engine lights popping on particularly when cars get a few years old mm-hmm. and one of the most common check engine light causes is the evaporative emissions system or evap for short evap for short and What people don't really realize about that is how complex that system is. It can be complex to diagnose. One of the harder systems to diagnose, I mean, in some cases, obviously, it is a gas cap. And when the light comes on, it'll say, check gas cap. cap," Sometimes some 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 vehicles will. Some I um, think Ford actually even broke it out into its own separate light. Well, Ford had so much trouble when they went to that stupid system with no gas cap. Mm-hmm. They have had just a world of problems with that thing because it just doesn't seal properly right. forever. It works okay when it's new. But I know we've changed a number of those filler necks for that problem, but basically what the EVAP system is and what it does, back in days gone by before emissions controls and all that, there used to be a little hole in the fuel cap. Mm-hmm. And what that did is because if I pump five gallons of gasoline out of this tank... you got to have five gallons of air go out the other side. It has to make it up. Otherwise, you'd draw a vacuum on the tank. And then the pump couldn't draw the fuel out because it'd be a vacuum on the tank. So what car makers did for years and years and years they just had a little tiny vent hole and it allowed air to flow into the tank so when the pump pumped it out it just flowed back in right just vented to the atmosphere kept everything balanced now the problems as they tell us is that some fumes could escape through this little tiny pinhole and get into the atmosphere and that was bad for the environment yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) and you know i'm not gonna get into a big old political diatribe about whether or not it's a problem. It's something we got to live with. Sure. So they came out with the EVAP system, and what it did, it stopped any fumes from leaving the tank. And the way they did that is in the early, early days, they just had a charcoal canister on the car. And it's a canister made out of plastic, which was filled with charcoal, and they vented the tank through that. And that worked okay for a number of years, but they said, well, it's still possible that some fumes could escape through this charcoal. Not only that, we want a way to make sure this system is working. Mm-hmm. So they came out with the EVAP system. And then later on, it came out with advanced EVAP, which is what we have today. Right. But the way the EVAP system works on most cars, put it that way, the, a vacuum-type EVAP, because you also have a pressurized EVAP system, which works a little differently. But in the U.S., I think Chrysler uses it on a few of their models, and that's about it. In Europe, the, the pressurized system. Yeah, it pressurized rather than vacuum, but. The way the systems, most of the systems in the U.S., the vacuum systems work, is that there are two valves, one called a purge valve, one called a vent valve. And when the system wants to remove the fumes from the tank, it will open the purge valve and open the vent valve. And it uses the engine vacuum to pull the fumes out of the tank. It sucks air in through the charcoal canister, which works kind of like a filter or through the vent valve canister and it draws air through which sucks the fumes out of the tank also makes the makeup air for the gas that's leaving the tank Mm
1: -hmm.
0: now in order to test to see this because it's supposed to be a sealed system nothing gets in nothing gets out in order to test itself what it will do is under certain conditions now the key word here is certain conditions because it doesn't run the evap test all the time
1: and it doesn't run it every key cycle
0: no for instance if the tank has more than three-quarters of a tank of gas. Then it was feared that if they went to this test system, it might suck some gasoline out of the tank.
1: Some actual liquid.
0: Liquid, which would destroy the charcoal canister. Same thing, if it's less than a quarter of a tank, it would be so much volume of air, it may not be able to draw a full vacuum and hold it because the fumes rising out of the tank could interfere with the test. So what they did is somewhere around half a tank, there's more than a quarter but less than three quarters it decides to it's time to run the vvap test and what it does is it closes the closes the vent vent valve valve, opens the purge valve draws a vacuum on the tank and then closes both valves and watches it
1: it has a pressure sensor on the gas tank that's correct that watches the pressure that is left in the tank now or the, the lack of pressure
0: most cars will run this test when you pull up you turn the car off and the temperatures are at a certain point, that's when it's going to execute this test. It doesn't normally do it going down the road. Right, because because
1: of the volatility of the fuel shaking around will defer the, the test reading. Well,
0: when it's sloshing around, it's producing pressure, which would negate the vacuum. So under those conditions, it's going to abort the test. The same thing if the engine is hot or the fuel is hot. And it infers that from the ambient temperature and from the engine temperature. So it may not run a test if the fuel is hot. It may wait till the next morning when the fuel level is cold because the engine temperature and the ambient temperature are equal. Mm-hmm. Then it assumes that the fuel is going to be cool, so it's not going to be as volatile so it can run the test. We're going to talk a lot more about that. Let's take a phone call. We've got Sarah online. Good morning, Sarah.
2: Hey there. How's it going? Do it Good great. morning. So, get this. About three months ago, I got to change my oil, mm-hmm. and I had changed it before then, too, and I did not over-tor- over-torque the bolt. Okay. And I go to try and take it off, and I cannot for the life of me get it off. Hmm. I use a cheater pipe. I use a 6- and 12-sided socket. I uh-huh. use WD-40, which, you know, it's an oil pan plug. Right. And uh, What kind of car
0: is this, Sarah?
2: Oh, sorry, it's an 09 Outback. Okay. And I even had friends help me, and I did make sure that I was turning it the right way to the left, and eventually I just had to cold-chisel the thing off. Uh-huh. And the threads were not stripped once I took it, once I removed it. Hmm. The weirdest thing. Yeah, I'm
0: not familiar with, with Subaru because we don't service them, but how is the sealing media? Does it have like a crush washer or something under it, or does it have an O-ring it's, in it? Or
2: There isn't a washer, and I don't think there has been in the last four years that I've had the car since hmm. I bought
0: it. So yeah. it, it has so, to have some way to seal to the pan, and that may be the problem. If the washer's not there, you've got steel against steel. So the washer not only seals, but also acts kind of like a bearing surface to allow that to remove. The only thing I can think of, Sarah, is that when it was tightened down time after time after time, steel against steel, it probably caused a little bit of a ridge in that pan surface, just pulled a little bit of metal each time. And so it acted almost like a ratchet and just locked in. I mean, that's the only thing. If it was torqued down and the threads were okay, it can't be it was over-tightened that much. Yeah. What, what I would do is go to the Subaru dealer and ask them to look at the, the diagram and see if it's not supposed to be a washer of some sort in there. And if it is, go ahead and purchase that washer. Yeah. And it's going to be like pennies. I mean, it's yeah, not going to be, be any much. amount of money. But I'm, every drain plug in the world is either going to have a washer of some sort or an O-ring built into the a head yeah. of the boat because the threads are not a seal. And when the threads screw in, it can basically... The, the oil can, can, can wick, wick through it. Wick right on, around right. those threads. So there's some type of sealing media... You know, the only threads that seal are pipe mm-hmm. threads because they're cut at a like an angle that gets tighter and tighter and, and crushes in. But any kind of a thread like that where you can screw it in by hand is not going to seal. So there's supposed to be something in there. I would look and see if it's not supposed to be some sort of a washer. In there. And probably that washer acts like a little bit of a bearing, which allows that plug to release. I think if okay. you find that, you'll solve that problem.
2: Yeah, or I can get one of those, those oil pan... Plugs that have the, the short nipple on them
0: so you yeah i would, I would not do not. that yeah. because what can happen those stick down and what can happen if you happen to run over something in the road and knocks that off see that's the reason car companies don't use those huh. because they're extremely convenient now they're very I'll, convenient. I'll give you that they are but if you happen to hit something let's say some debris in the road and it comes up and hits that and knocks it off number one it's broke off in the pan now so you got a big problem but number two it dumps all all on the road which is the bigger problem bigger problem yeah <laughs> the engine could burn up before you could stop it so i mean the drain plugs work really well and this is not a common problem that everyone's having so i don't think we need to re-engineer it i think we need to put it back the way subaru built it and i would almost guarantee you at some point yeah. in time that either fell off or fell off or just didn't get replaced. place it and it probably has a smooth enough surface where it can seal you know if you tighten it down but it's probably galling that surface, and it's getting rougher as time goes on.
2: All right. Alrighty. I'll look into a gasket. Thank you. Okay. okay. All
0: right. Bye-bye. Thanks for calling.
2: Bye.
0: <laughs> all right. is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, right, we're going to take a quick little break. We'll be right Thank back you. with more. Lie back and tell me what's stressing you out, (gasps) mister... Evolted supervillain, arch
3: nemesis of good. I have electric superpowers, blah, blah, blah. And it sounds like you're burnt out and stressed about your job. Yes, doctor, the pressure is insane. My wife's always nagging me about my evil plans not being up to par. Melting the polar ice caps, blocking out the sun, world domination. None of it's good enough for her. Uh, Some days... I just want a garden. Herr Voltage, I can't really advise you on your super-evil plans, but I can offer this advice on gaining some peace of mind. Bring your car in once a year to AGCO for a general inspection. They check your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and they catch any problems early so you don't have major repairs down the road. Hmm, I know AGCO could work on my Scion, but can they work on my G-19 Thermonuclear Urban Assault car copter? You'll have to call AGCO about that. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at AGCO Automotive. AGCO, it's the place to go.
0: Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, it's the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan with Mr. Brian Terry. We sure appreciate you spending Saturday morning with us. If you have an automotive question or comment or whatever you may have, you give us a call. It's 291 And we'll get that question answered for you immediately. <laughs> there you go. And if
1: you happen to miss your opportunity today or think of something after we go off the air, you can always go to the website and get your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A G C O A U T O dot com. There is a contact bar
0: on each and every page. Click the button, a the little form's gonna pop up. Just fill it out and send it on in. There you go. Couldn't be any easier than that to get asked back to you within 24 hours, sometimes sooner. It just depends on where I happen to be. Time of day or yeah, – That's right. <laughs> Geographic location. There you my go. <laughs> there you go. Let's go back to our phone lines. We got Dave online. Good morning, Dave.
4: Yes, hey. Good morning. Mm-hmm. I got an 04 Dodge Dakota, and uh-huh. about the last couple of months, you know, I'm getting fog on my window. When I run – and turn it off i'm getting fog okay. on, on my front window
0: check and see if you're losing any engine coolant dave uh, are you are you losing any engine coolant is your reservoir going no, low i
4: checked that i don't have any leak in the coolant i thought maybe it might be my evaporator for the air conditioner. well
0: probably the heater core not the evaporator although the evaporator can Could. under certain conditions do the same thing refrigerant that's in there we used to call it freon but that's a brand name it's actually called refrigerant Will not do that. It's an odorless, colorless gas. It doesn't do anything. However, it has refrigerant oil in the refrigerant. That lubricates the compressor. Now, that oil can definitely make a film like that. Does the air conditioner work? I'm, has the air conditioner quit working?
4: No, the air conditioner works fine, but I noticed I don't have any water dripping anymore.
0: Well, the and vent, there is a drain under there. Normally, that will not fog your windshield, though. It'll start to flood inside the car because it's just a little shallow pan, and when you plug that up, it fills up pretty fast. Go on the right side of your truck. Pull the carpet up and feel and see if that floor is wet.
4: I've done that, mm-hmm. Lewis, and I and I can't find any water, and I'm not losing antifreeze.
0: Yeah, if you're not losing antifreeze, you're not losing any water. or, or you're not, you not? Know, it's not wet on the carpet, man. That's the only other thing. Is it worse when it rains or anything like that?
4: Not really. Hmm. It, it just—I noticed I can get in, like I was driving it this week, and mm-hmm. you know I can make a 15 or 20 mile run, and when I stop. And come back later, I got fog on my window.
2: Hmm.
0: Now, one last thing that I have seen do that, there are some doors under the dash. One is called a mode door. That moves it from the vent to so on. You got temperature doors. You got all these different doors under the dash, which are electrically operated. If the foam rubber tends to fall out from one of those doors, what can happen is that cold air can start to blow up on the windshield like defrost is on. In time, that's going to fog that windshield up. It will defrost the windshield if it's wide open, but if just a little bit of cold air hits that hot windshield, it can fog up. You might take your hand, and just to make it more sensitive, take and put your hand in some water, get it wet, and then run it along the base where the, the frost come out and see if you got cold air coming out up there.
4: Okay. Uh, and if
0: so, you're probably leaking some air past that defrost door, and it's just enough cold air to hit that hot windshield, particularly in a high humidity condition. That'll cause it to Fog like that. Now, what you could do also is one of two things: either put it on defrost and run it that way and see if it quits doing it, or turn the heat up slightly while the AC is on and see if it quits doing it. Because if you put warmer air up there, it's going to quit doing it. If that's the case, and if yeah, you put now, it on full defrost, it's going to quit doing it.
4: Yeah, now defrost or dry it up; it won't do it on defrost. Okay,
0: well, and that's most likely yeah. your case because what you do, you're throwing a much higher volume of air up there. So not only is it cold, but it's dehumidified. So it's going to suck the moisture off. But just a little bit of coal is going to cause the fog up. It's kind of like a glass full of ice in your house, even though it's air conditioned in the house. It's going to fog. You know, it's going to start to sweat on the outside because it's colder than the ambient.
4: Okay. Can y'all check on? Can y'all check that out absolutely? Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, now well, the fix it. may be worse than the problem because that's going to involve just about. If that's the case, it's going to involve just about pulling the whole dash out to fix it. You know, it may be that the fix is worse than the problem, but I can at least tell you that is it for sure. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, is the number. We were discussing the EVAP system on a car and how it works and how it tests itself and so on. And this is one of those things where the check engine light may come on and then it may go off again, right? which really confuses the devil out of people. But because it doesn't execute the test on every drive cycle, for instance, we talked about some of the parameters. Number one it has to have more than a quarter of a tank of fuel, less than three quarters of a tank of fuel. The fuel has to be cool; it can't be hot. Right. And you can't be jouncing up and down the road because any one of these—if you take gasoline and you shake it up—it's going to produce pressure. Now, if we're measuring the vacuum in the tank, and you we start pressure. To produce pressure, that is going to make that vacuum fall off because it's the two are opposites of each other. So. Under all those conditions, it's going to abort the test. Now, if it aborts the test on a couple of drive cycles, what it's going to say is, okay, we don't have a current code. It's going to move the code to history.
1: And it's going to turn that light out in case anything else happens. Therefore, the light is available for any other code that should come up in the meantime. That's correct.
0: Now, if it happens again, the light's coming right back on. Sure. So we see this a lot where what will happen, the check engine light will pop on. And so people will call and make an appointment to get the car checked. And it may be a few days before we can get to it. In the interim, they fill their tank with gas. Well, it goes to the thing. It says, okay, it's full. Abort Abort this test. So it continues to abort tests two or three, four dry cycles. When it finally gets down to three quarters of the tank, it runs tests again. Wham, light comes on again. Okay, well, now it stays on. And in this time, they've canceled their appointment. So they call back again. Make another appointment. Well, by the time they make the the second appointment, it'll get down down to the quarter quarter level. Well, again, it's going to abort the test. Correct. It's going to not run that test for several drive cycles all the way down to use it up. When you fill it again, it's still (laughs) not going to run the test. (laughs) Yeah. Now, even worse is if you crank it up in the morning and you make a very short trip. For instance, you make a trip of maybe one or two miles. Okay. What you've done is now you've raised the engine temperature. So the engine temperature it's not gonna be a cold start again. So it right. may not run that test.
1: It's not gonna match the ambient temperature on the outside. So So
0: if you make a number of short trips like that and you have a quarter tank or less of fuel or three quarters of more fuel, it could technically go several weeks without, without running this test. Maybe even months, right. depending on depending how you drive on how it's the driven. car, especially if it's not driven a whole lot. So that's why it's so confusing. Now What happens when it does decide it's going to run this test? Again, like we mentioned before, it's going to close the vent valve. Which is the vent to the outside atmosphere. It's going to close that valve Mm -hmm. and then open the purge valve. So it's going to suck a vacuum on this tank, and it's going to watch that vacuum. Once it shuts both valves, it expects that vacuum to hold for a certain period of time. Correct. That period of time has changed over the years because as we went to advanced EVAP, it has to hold a vacuum longer. A lot longer. Now... If the vacuum very slowly degrades, in other words, it starts to lose a little bit, it's going to set a code, I think it's Yo, P.O. 456. I think 456 is a small EVAP leak. Okay. Now, if the vacuum goes away faster than that, it may set a 457. Uh-huh. And I, I'm not 100% sure on those numbers, but what it's is- going to set one, it's going to say a large EVAP leak. Now, if it immediately drops off, it's going to set a gross EVAP leak, and it may assume the fuel cap is off. So it may tell you a check gas cap or mm-hmm. something like that doesn't mean the gas cap is necessarily bad because let's say you've got a vacuum line in the system that's got a split in it right well it's going to fall off real fast and the same thing. it all it It, all it knows
1: is the vacuum is going away too fast it's
0: going away too fast let's say the charcoal canister ruptures or you run over something and knock a hole in it it may set a gross evap leak or gas cap light
1: right now gas caps do go bad they do and for that fact there is a tool you can check the, the fuel ceiling cap. on the va- on the fuel
0: cap now so it kind of eliminates just throwing parts at it and if you get a evap code before you even go let's say your, your fuel cap is 10 years old or older uh-huh. well gas caps are cheap enough you might want to just say well look i'm just gonna get a new gas cap put on here and see what happens easy easy to do anybody that can put fuel in a car can do it right you can do it yourself it's very inexpensive at 10 years it probably needs a gas cap anyway sure so you put a new gas cap on you wait a little while the light goes out it never comes back hey you fixed it you fixed it good deal if light comes on again you're really not any worse off because you probably, probably need, need a, need gas a cap anyway. anyway now when you buy a fuel cap this is one of those parts you know we talk about aftermarket parts, right. we talk about new parts a gas cap or fuel cap is one of those things absolutely needs to be an oem part sure because we see a lot of times they'll have an evap leak in the system let's say the vent solenoid is bad right Okay, they'll go put an aftermarket fuel cap on there. Well now they got two problems. Yeah. Because now so the first thing we do, we check it and we say, okay, the fuel cap doesn't work. And we test the system, well, this particular time maybe an intermittent problem. The Vitzona is working at this time. So we say, okay, the only thing I'm seeing right now is you got the wrong gas cap or a bad gas cap or an aftermarket cap that doesn't seal. Mm -hmm. So you put the cap on, well they take off, well then the light pops back on again. Well now you gotta go back and fix the original problem. Sure. And this is particularly bad where people disconnect the battery to clear the codes out because now they've destroyed all the diagnostic information you need it not that it can set a vent solenoid code it can set a vent solenoid circuit code sure that is when it commands the vent solenoid to open and it does it not open then it knows there's something in the circuit that is bad it can set that but it can't distinguish between a vent valve leaking a and gas a, cap ca- leaking a crack in the fuel cap leaking the fuel pump having been replaced and the gasket in the thing not sealed properly that's kind of a biggie we see a lot people will replace their fuel pump uh-huh and most of the fuel pumps today have like a ring that turns and it's a, it's a locking a ring locking that locks the the
1: module down into the tank and underneath that is a big rubber o-ring seal mm-hmm. that has to be that has to be clean it has to be well lubricated and it has to fit
0: into the grooves and has to be replaced each time each you, time yeah A lot of fuel pumps today don't come with that ring. I know Ford Motorcraft, they usually don't supply the ring because they want to to sell it to you separately. Well, a guy gets a new fuel pump. He doesn't change the old ring, and now he's got an EVAP code because the old old O-ring doesn't seal. They also make an entire cornucopia of tools to take those rings off. Oh, my goodness. And it's tempting without the tool to take a, take a hammer and a chisel cold and cold chisel yeah and beat the snot out of it you can very very easily damage the ring or even damage the fuel tank flange right and then you're going to have evap codes forever pretty much forever so we'll get more into the tools and such that it takes to do this and we'll take another quick little break be right back with more on the automotive hour <clears throat>
3: Ah, yes, Mr. Bigfoot. Make yourself comfortable on the couch and tell me, what has stressed you out? Uh, I'm just a secluded forest dweller, and I like it like that. But every now and then, I get these people hunting me down. There's a TV show, jerky commercials, and now another movie. Then I worry about the hype. If they do find me, will my feet be big enough? Well, Mr. Foot, I can't really do much about these people, but I can tell you how to create some peace of mind in your life. Do like me and take your car into Agco once a year for a general inspection. They provide me an honest opinion on the maintenance and repairs I need now and in the future. They can even catch small issues that can lead to big, expensive problems down the road. An AGCO general inspection, huh? Oh, one more thing, Doc. Could you tell me where I can find this toilet paper? I've heard wonderful things about it. Here's AGCO's number and the name of another store that may ship some TP straight to your cave. Thanks, Doc. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at AGCO Automotive. AGCO, it's the place to go.
0: Hey, welcome back! If you're just join us this is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Albazan with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, two of us, Tools will try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. Our number is two nine one sixty nine zero one. Talking a little bit about evap systems and how they malfunction, how they work, such as that. We'll take a call on any question you may have. Just give us a call. We'll try to help you out and point you in the right direction.
1: we still got a good bit of time for that. So yep, there you we'll go. So we go ahead get it but, all done. You know, we were talking about the EVAP stuff earlier, and there's several things in the system that could cause anywhere vacuum can leak out. Right. Whether it be, like we were discussing earlier, a bad
0: seal around a fuel pump module. That's a common one. It is. If you go in and beat that ring with a cold chisel or something, what you'll do, you can distort the ring but more so, the fuel tank itself is probably 22, 25-gauge steel. It doesn't take much to put a little dimple in there. Now, you put a brand-new O-ring in and beat it out, beat it back in. Right. It may seal right then. But a year later, that seal starts to get a little harder, and it's got a little dimple in it. Well, now it can't seal. So we've seen a lot of times people come in, they've got an EVAP leak, they just can't find it. They, right. They've exhausted every possibility. And the way that we go in to find these things, we have a machine called a smoke machine, and that uses nitrogen gas and some chemicals to produce smoke. We tie it into the EVAP system. We pressurize the entire system with smoke. Mm -hmm. So if you're careful enough, you go around, and you can even take like an air-conditioned leak detector, and you can detect this smoke coming out, even if you can't see it. You can find where the smoke comes out. And you can find extremely small leaks with this system. Something you will probably never, ever, ever find without some type of apparatus like that. And sometimes the only thing you can see is that smoke is coming out from the top of the fuel tank. Right. Because Because the fuel fuel tank is bolted
1: up to the bottom of the car. It's all compressed up against the bottom of the, the vehicle. Right. So it's hard to see in there without actually lowering the tank down.
0: So you can see the different components and Well, at places. this point, you have to call the customer and say, okay, we've isolated the leak to the top of the fuel tank. However, we will have to drop the tank, which is two, three hours sometimes. sometimes. So it's a much bigger diagnostic procedure when that's the case. Now, and depending
1: on what you find, you really can't quote a price until you find out where it's leaking. Is the tank
0: cracked? Bent? Is a tank a plastic tank is a tank cracked.
1: Right. Is the, that happens? Is the seal around
0: the fuel pump module leaking? Is the fuel pump is, module itself leaking? Exactly. We've seen that. Also, there's a number of hoses that connect all this stuff. Right. Any one of those can be leaked. Could have gotten a little small rodent up there, chewed on one of the hoses. Sometimes the, they just dry rot. Sure. All sorts of things happen. But when you're doing the diagnostic on it, it's prudent. If you get much past about an hour of diagnostic time, you really need to stop and call the customer because people aren't used to spending a huge amount of money. And diagnostics on EVAP systems can get expensive.
1: They can, depending on where you go. How obscure it is.
0: Most of the time, we can nail them in 15 minutes to an hour. Sure. Because you're going to find a solenoid that's hung or something to that effect. And those are relatively easy to test for. They're relatively easy to find. But when you're looking for a very, very small EVAP leak, a hose that's crack somewhere. We've seen a lot of the General Motors products where the fuel tank itself would crack. Sure. In fact, I think some of the Tahoes had a recall for that.
1: I don't remember.
0: Yeah, where the fuel tank fill nozzle went into it would crack right there. Okay. And ironically, no fuel would leak out, but it would suck air in because it doesn't have a lot of pressure on the fuel. It's just gravity mm-hmm. sloshing around in there. You might get some odor out of it. You might not, but it would crack, and when it drew this vacuum vacuum. on a tank it could draw it in through that crack and so we would have to replace the fuel tank in Mm -hmm. those cases so there's any number of things that can crack or break like i said there's a pile of little vacuum hoses chrysler products have a lot of problems with those now chrysler uses a different system we'll talk about that a little bit later Uses a pressurized system but it does basically the same thing it doesn't draw vacuum it pressurizes the tank to check it But again, any leak anywhere in that system is going to flag a code. And that system runs from the engine
1: all the way to the fuel tank. Correct. And everything in between. You know, you you have the, like you said, the purge valve is on the engine, so you have to have a vacuum source from the engine to the tank. Then you've got a vent valve on the tank, you've got the charcoal canister it has to run through, Mm -hmm. the filler neck. Where right. the hose comes in and then there's various vent hoses across the top of the tank because the top of that tank Connecting. is not well, the top of the tank is not flat. Mm-hmm. It has raised parts and the vents have to be at the top of the raised part of the tank to vent the whole tank properly. Correct. So you have they they're hooked together through a series of vacuum hoses mm-hmm. between the components. So there's a lot of things in there that can cause problems. A
0: lot of plumbing. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> now, one of the things that can happen to you also, we see this a fair amount and it's really hard to diagnose. And that is the pressure sensor itself on goes the pad. Now, if it catastrophically fails and doesn't read at all, it's fairly easy to find. Sure. But if it just starts to read wrong, which can happen, the range on it can go off. Well, what happens is that it draws a vacuum on the tank, but the sensor doesn't see that vacuum. Mm-hmm. So it thinks there's a gross evap leak. Right. Or maybe it reads some, but doesn't read enough, so it thinks there's a small evap leak. It's going to still set an evap leak Codes. Sure. Because all it knows is that the purge valve was commanded open, and now I'm not seeing a vacuum change like I want or a pressure change like I want.
1: It's all it's written in the software. If this doesn't happen, this doesn't happen, then this light comes on.
0: Right. So the fuel tank pressure sensor can also set all the same sure. codes, but it's going to set leak codes. That's what you got to remember. So you see a leak code. You don't see a circuit code, so you're not so ever you, thinking of that. You, yeah, you
1: start looking for a leak somewhere where it's just a false reading from the pressure sensor.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, another thing that can cause that, two things. One is if the purge valve is bad. Mm-hmm. So it commands the purge valve on, but it doesn't draw a vacuum. All it knows is this command this valve is supposed to be open. I'm supposed to be seeing vacuum here, and I'm not, not. seeing vacuum. So it's going to set a leak code. It's going to probably set a gross evap leak. We had one where a gentleman had put a different air filter on his vehicle. I don't okay. know what kind of car it was, but he changed his air filter. When he tightened it down, it pushed down, and it kinked off the vent the, the, hose. Me, the hose between the purge valve and in so it started setting a large evap leak right well he changed his fuel cap and he changed this and he changes this, this solenoid and that solenoid and come to find out what it was this hose was kinked off by this air filter he had put on there and
1: it couldn't pull a vacuum it on. could
0: not draw a vacuum yeah. so all it knew is i can't draw a vacuum it's going to assume that it's, it's a, a big, big leak, leak somewhere whereas it wasn't leak at all Now, in some really strange cases, we've seen the PCM itself. The computer will go bad. Mm -hmm. The driver that reads the sensor may not read anymore right, or may read erratically. And that's the advantage of having a factory-type scan tool because you could go to the EVAP test, crank it up, and watch that sensor and watch what it reads. If that sensor, before you start to purge, is reading vacuum already...
1: Then you know you're in trouble.
0: Right. You know there's a problem there. You go to the sensor itself... It reads properly. Well, then where is this reading? Unplug the sensor. It still reads vacuum. Then you know, yeah, you're You're probably probably into the ECM. Well, either the ECM or a shorted wire. A shorted wire to ground somewhere somewhere. or something to that effect. So, again, it can be a fairly complex system.
1: It really is a fairly complex system, Mm -hmm. just the way it's built and the way it operates.
0: Now, the way the testing runs on here, there could be a number of problems with the system it's not going to realize there's a problem until something is electrically affected, Mm -hmm. something it can electrically detect. For instance, when it does not see a vacuum rise, that electrical sensor is seeing that. It doesn't know about the crack. It can have a crack in the tank. As long as that sensor is not reading it, it doesn't know that's bad. Sure. Another case is when the charcoal canister ruptures. And what happens is that people like... To fill their tank as all full the way as, to as the full as top, you can get it right? yeah when you're filling your tank and that nozzle cuts off the first time you really need to stop putting
1: gas in it right then and there right because what you're doing is you're overflowing the system in the on the vehicle and you're getting liquid into the charcoal canister that is only designed for vapor and what will happen is that canister will come apart right and but, when it does there's little bitty balls of charcoal they're, they're small very small and they will compact Mm -hmm. when they're pulled into the system Mm -hmm. the purge valve opens pulls a vacuum and first thing it does is starts pulling that charcoal right out the
0: canister and it will plug those little plastic lines up. right now when all this occurs you're not going to anything is wrong until it plugs one of those valves up once it plugs the valves up now we're into an electrical system in other words i'm commanding this valve to open and i'm not seeing a change or i'm commanding it to close and i'm not seeing the vacuum cease now the problem is the purge valve is full of charcoal but that's the symptom. The problem, real problem, is the charcoal canister's ruptured. Correct. So what happens so often, people get like a circuit code on the purge valve because all it knows is that I'm, I'm commanding, commanding this valve to close. I'm still seeing vacuum here. So they change the purge valve.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, the code continues to set. Or they put a new purge valve on it and it works okay for about two or three weeks, and then starts setting the same code again. Well, what's happened is that the canister has ruptured, it's drawing this stuff into the system. You put a brand-new valve on there, and it's going to work until the charcoal gets up and plugs it up again. Right. It's just like a filter. Right. You're going to plug it up. but I don't know. It's like a $100 filter. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Worst case than that is it will plug that little plastic line up that goes from the charcoal canister to the engine. And when it plugs it up, it's, it doesn't just fill it up. It compacts those little balls of charcoal together, and it is a nightmare to try to get cleaned out it well, takes hours to get those little balls to come loose and come out of it
0: now you're into a much much bigger problem sure because not only do you have to change the, the purge part, valve the part that's plugged you're gonna to have to change the canister but you also to have to clean the entire system Correct. and like you said that can be extremely hard in some cases we'll put a little fuel filter in the line to catch anything to catch that's left any additional debris from getting into the new valve uh-huh we got to take our last quick little break be right back with more on the automotive hour So, lie back on the couch, Ms. Bo-Peep,
3: and tell me what's got you stressed.
2: Ugh! My sheep keep getting lost. I mean, they're in the meadow one minute, and I look down at a text, and then I don't know where to find them. And they keep doing it. Let me level with you, Doc. Sheep are not the smartest animals. Not you, Denise. You're the exception. Look, Doc, you ever try to have a conversation with a sheep? It's a little one-sided. They just look at you with this blank look on their faces. That and the whole getting lost thing has me at my wit's end.
3: I can't really help you with losing sheep, but I can tell you how to get a little peace of mind. Do like me and take your car into Agco Automotive once a year for a general inspection. They check everything out and perform maintenance on what you need to keep your car running right and it saves money in the long run.
2: With the money I save, I can buy some shock collars to keep those little halfwits in one place. Bleh. Denise, you know I wouldn't do that to you.
3: Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco
0: Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Still got a few minutes. Give us a call. Be glad to try to help you out and chat you up any problem you may have. There you go. Talking today about evap systems, but again, we'll take a call on any topic you may have. we were talking about the charcoal canister rupturing. Right. And again, the leading cause of that is when you fill your tank, if you don't cut off when the first little click, if you continue to put fuel in, it backs up through that nozzle and goes into the hose where the vents up towards the top of the nozzle somewhere once liquid fuel hits that plastic canister it's a matter of time it's sure. going to fail and i know that from first-hand experience cause i did the same exact thing on my truck and yeah. it went bad and i quit doing it It never has gone <laughs> bad again
1: so <laughs> well, you know we used to do that all the time before the evap systems were, Correct. were so didn't really make much difference
0: now i mean i can remember filling it up till it ran out the neck yeah absolutely but nowadays you really can't do that so just a little tip there something you might want to watch now the exact opposite of that is when you go to fill your tank and your nozzle keeps cutting off. Right, you click. You put about half an ounce of fuel, and it click, 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 keeps cutting off. That is a definite symptom of a problem in the evap system. And sometimes it's a plug charcoal canister because right. you've done it in the past and gas got in there. And it's, it's, in this case, the charcoal may have formed a mass in there. And so it's no longer acting like a filter. It's acting like a restriction. Mm-hmm. It's not and allowing
1: the pressure from the fuel going in to evacuate the that's tank.
0: That's one of the things. Now, another thing is it can plug the evap vent valve. That way it can't vent the tank. And the number one thing that's going to plug that vent valve is charcoal out of the canister. Sure. So. It's not unusual when you find a bad purge or vent valve to also find a A bad bad canister. And it can be a little difficult to tell if these canisters are good or bad because they're sealed up. You can't look inside. Clearly, if you take it off and shake it and And charcoal charcoal comes comes out, out, that's a catastrophic failure. Another way that we check them is to take it off and put it on a digital scale with a known good one. And If it weighs more, then it's got something in in it it. generally going to be fuel, gasoline. So... These are all just different things that happen on those particular systems. Now, some vehicles have kind of known problems.
1: The Chevy truck, for instance. Exactly. Um, the way the vent valve vent is positioned on some of the vehicles, it's between the gap between the back of the cab and the front of the bed.
0: Yeah, they just didn't think about it. They stuck it on the frame rail between the bed and the, and the cab. cab. And when it rains, if it happens to go to the vent cycle when it's raining on a purge cycle, it can suck water water up into this <laughs> valve which is going to take it out pretty quick sure and i think they people, had a
1: they had a relocation
0: there's a relocation kit for them i forget the year models that were involved in that but what it involved was a different bracket a different valve and a piece of you would take a piece of heater hose and you relocate the filter the to a different location uh-huh. completely get it out of that area and that worked pretty well now they've had a lot of trouble with those vent valves they just seem over to go the years bad. yeah it's just, just a really kind of a sorry design, I think. It I is. know we've got vehicles about every three years they come in. The vent valve is bad, Yep. and no obvious cause of it other than the valve just failed. And you can change them, and they go bad again by three years. You, you're back in again. So it's just one of those things, a kind of a poor design. But if you haven't done that relocation and it's applicable to your vehicle, you definitely need to see a whole lot more yeah. trouble with that. So. Something you need to kind of watch out for. And those valves are pretty expensive. Some of your vent valves may be in the $30 range. Those valves are about $200. Right. A lot more expensive than the, uh, than and, the standard one. And valve. honestly, I don't see why, because they well, seem to be the same valve. It's well, just... it was their screw-up. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're charging me to fix your problem, yeah? yeah? <laughs> yep, but that's but what it is. GM and their infinite yeah. compassion for their customers. Compassion, <laughs> customers, yeah. That's three, three yeah, words that don't go in the con- same contradiction sentence. Contradiction term, GM, compassion, oh, exactly. They yeah, just don't go together. But that's kind of the short and long of how the vacuum evap system works. Right. Now, the pressure evap system largely in the united states is used on chrysler chrysler
1: and some of your european vehicles
0: it was a european system and at the time that chrysler used that they were tied up with mercedes Mercedes, so they use the same system what it does it utilizes a little pump a little air driven pump and ironically the pump is driven by vacuum so it's Mm -hmm. still got a vacuum line going to it but the vacuum operates a little piston pump which produces pressure it pressurizes the system. Instead of putting a vacuum on it like the other models do. Right. Everything else vacuums the system. It pressurizes it, and the sensor is looking for pressure mm-hmm. to degrade. So kind of a different way of doing, doing the same thing, more or less the same thing. Right. Now, on those, we see a lot of trouble with either the vacuum lines. Like I said, Chrysler seems to have more trouble with the vacuum lines than Ford or Chevy or Toyota or Honda, any of those guys. Mm-hmm. But another problem we see a lot is with what they call the leak detection pump or LDP, leak detection pump. And mercifully, they're not a terribly expensive part. I want to say they used to be in the $30 range. They've wiggled their way up to probably $100 now. Yeah. But it's not a hugely expensive part. But if that little pump fails, either it catastrophically fails, it doesn't come on at all, or it can pump but just not produce enough, enough pressure. The only thing the system knows is that I've commanded the pump on, I've given it enough time, and I'm not seeing a pressurized significant pressurized. So it's depending on the amount of pressure it sees, it's either going to throw a evap, a large EVAP code or a small EVAP code. Mm-hmm. And so you're looking for leaks, but it's not a leak at all. It's the pump is not producing enough, enough pressure. pressure. So in these cases, what you have to do is either have a factory scan tool where you can read the sensor and see what pressure is being achieved.
1: You can actually see it, yeah.
0: Or you could put a gauge on that pump and see if it can achieve the proper pressure correct and those were kind of one of those high failure items that we used to see a lot uh, i don't see much
1: of those anymore
0: i don't know if they've changed their design or what we don't see them as much anymore maybe yeah. we've just fixed them all because for a while there <laughs> we were getting a lot yeah. a lot of those uh, ldps leak detection pumps we'll change them right and left and maybe those models have corrected Come, their yeah i've gone now let's go back to our phone i've got joe online good morning joe how are you today doing great sir good morning
4: I have a question about uh, the new CVT transmissions. What's your opinion of them? Joe, they seem
0: to work okay. You know, those came out. They're not really new. Those came out in the 1950s. Ford came out with that CVT, and they had a lot, a lot, a lot of trouble because they didn't have the electronics to operate them, and they didn't have the metallurgy. So they finally dropped them, just got completely away. They had so much problems. At some point later, they came out with the design like they're using now, and i gotta say for probably a hundred thousand miles so long as you keep the fluid fresh in them we don't see a lot of trouble out of them the downside is they really can't be rebuilt there's no available parts for them and when they go out it's kind of like a grenade went off in them it's a replacement so it's gonna be an expensive proposition when they fail what complicates the problem a lot worse in my opinion is that most of the manufacturers do not give a service interval on or if they do they give an extremely high service interval on them in other words they'll say a hundred thousand miles or lifetime fluid right Clearly, it is lifetime (laughs) fluid because when it goes out, it's the end of the life. You know, it's dead. So, if I had one and it's getting hard to get away from because they're coming just about everything now, uh, I would be changing that fluid every 50,000 miles maximum. And if I was towing anything with it, I'd probably be around 30,000 miles. And some of them have a filter you can play, some of them don't. The filter's inside the unit so long as you keep that fluid clean with the correct fluid the correct fluid they all require special yes. fluid so you almost have to go back to the dealer to buy the fluid don't use a universal fluid in them because it just won't get the job done but what happens when that fluid gets just a little dirty is that it's got a lot of aluminum in there and there's some solenoids in it you got a steel solenoid working in aluminum bore and it's not an off on situation it's a pulse width modulated situation so it's moving constantly and what happens is that A little bit of debris gets in that fluid. It gets around that steel valve. A steel valve on aluminum bore is not going to take long to wear that bore out. Then fluid starts running around the bores, and it starts you know, shifting radically and throwing check engine lights and all that. And at that point, it's a matter of replacing the whole unit. So, in my opinion, not a horrible design, but I would definitely keep that fluid nice and clean and fresh.
4: I sure do appreciate it. All
0: right, Joe. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. And, of course, the whole purpose of a CVT – it really does one thing. It helps them pass their emissions test. Right, they can keep their RPMs a certain range
1: across the board which at that certain RPM the emissions are the lowest point.
0: Right, you've got a sweet spot that you can engineer for. Let's say at 1600 17 18 pick a number RPM the engine is running maximum efficiency that's where they want to keep that engine. So with a CVT by constantly varying that ratio, they can keep the engine right in that little narrow range. Right. So when you test for emissions, it's going to always show a good reading. Whereas with a transmission, let's say a 4-speed transmission, it's going to shift, the RPM are going to run up, then it's going to shift and come back down, run it's up, run, shift. So the other out side of that range. Yeah, the other side of the coin is they will take and put a like a 6-speed, a 7-speed, 8-speed, even 10-speed transmissions in them to try to keep it in that same range. But that sure. gets a lot more complicated and more expensive than a CVT. Let's see if we can catch one more phone call. we got Chuck online. Good morning, Chuck.
2: Good morning. Yes, Good morning. sir. Transmission question. Mm-hmm. Need to change transmission fluid in my 2012 Highlander.
0: Okay. Talk to the dealership, mm-hmm. and it just seems like all they do is drain the transmission fluid out. Do they – is there any – Way that they can take the uh, yes. the fluid out of the torque converter and well change it? no uh, you really can't get the fluid out of the converter you can't get it out of the servo bores you can't get it out of any of those circuits nothing will do that other than disassembling the transmission replacing it that's why okay. it's so important to change it before it completely depletes see if you're changing that around fifty thousand miles what's left in there it's which not is about completely depleted forty yet. to fifty percent of the fluid is still okay so you're putting fifty percent fresh fluid you're okay so that's why it requires a more frequent change nothing will get all the fluid out other than disassembling the transmission and these okay. little flushing machines they talk about that gets yeah. even less fluid out because <laughs> there's several circuits on that thing you have one circuit that goes torque converter one goes to lubrication one goes to the cooler different cooler right. and they take the cooler line break that and take the fluid out there and dump the rest back into the dirty fluid so they get even less out
1: and not only that but some of them have a thermostat so if the temperature is not up to par then it's
0: not even circulating in the trans And I hope that answered the whole question. I'm just totally out of time. If not, give me a call back next week, and I'll go into it more in depth. But, yeah, change it more often. Drop the pan. That's going to get most of it out of there. And do it about 50,000 miles. You'll be in good shape. I see we're just about totally out of time. Start winding up to get out of here. Well, i like thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week.
1: Tell your friends, go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service, find a written view, and fill it out for us.
0: We really appreciate those written reviews. They move us up in the rankings, and I was looking this morning. We've got probably more positive reviews than just about anybody on there. That is wonderful. A that real, is great. Really good things See, so we can get a, Keep them going. get a few more. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> hey, preceding was Opinion, based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.